Yes, sir. Amen. And I don't care if you're a little noisy doing it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I want to take a I want to take a couple of moments right now this evening to share with you a wonderful, wonderful testimony. I had a rather long conversation today with a middle-aged gentleman, member of one of our churches out of the state, and uh, <clears throat> very well acquainted with him. Uh, about a year ago, he was finally able to move into a job that he really liked yeah. and that paid well. <laughs> it was an international company, and he was supposed to be uh, opening the market in the United States for this company. And things went along pretty well for a while, and uh, I had kind of been a little concerned recently that I hadn't heard anything from him as to his employment and how things were going. And uh, just happened today that we had a conversation, and he told me that he had been let go from this company. And uh, it had looked like it was going to be a, a long-term employment situation in sales. And uh, he and his wife were absolutely devastated. Now, a lot of you can relate to the fact that you have a mortgage payment and you have a car payment or two and you got kids to put shoes on their feet. And, you know, you can imagine all of the worry and all of the uh, fear that comes at a time like that. But being good, faithful Christians and loving God, they began to pray and to fast. Yes. He told me that in a 15-day period, his wife fasted 11 days. They were desperate. They were in a desperate situation. 2018 had not been a good year. He said, my, he said, the dishwasher broke, the refrigerator broke, the water heater broke, the car had several expensive car repairs, and it was just, you know, any of you that are family people, you've been there, you know, it seems like everything uh, goes at once. And uh, so they began to pray and fast. And, uh, of course, he immediately began to seek for another place of employment. And the company gave him four months severance pay, which was a good chunk of change, four months severance pay, and agreed to keep his health insurance going for at least four months. This would give him time to be able to search for and hopefully find a new job. Well, due to their prayer, due to their faithfulness, and I'm going to just kind of attach my trailer to Brother Camarena's car tonight. Mm -hmm and say that they were faithful tithers. Yeah. And as a result of all of their faithfulness to God in all of this, 19 days after he was let go, he was hired at another company. Health insurance, same salary, uh, less travel, and just so many, so many, many pluses. Praise God. And he said, due to the fact that 2018 was such a difficult year for us and just had all these expensive dishwasher stove uh, dishwasher refrigerator water heater and i forget what all else he said you know we had debt and we needed to get that paid he said he said so i will now be earning 
from the new company and also have the money that they gave me wow. as a severance pay. He said, we're taking care of our indebtedness. Praise God. Tell you, saints of God, I want to tell you, I don't care what God requires of you to do to serve him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Come on. It's worth it. Yes, it is. Because God will take care of you. Yes, he will. Amen. The key to all of this is faithfulness to God. That's right. Faithfulness to God. Wonderful. Amen. Amen. And sometimes you feel like I'm kind of pastoral. Well, that's what I am. (laughs) I am not the pastor of this church, but I have... All of this pastoral stuff in my heart and in my mind and my Amen. soul. And anything I can share with you yes, to help sir. you to uh, have greater faith in yes. God is Amen. what I want to do. Amen. 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 Praise God. I'm so glad that you're both here tonight. I hope that this Bible study that I'm going to give starting just a couple of minutes is going to be a great blessing to you and to the head of the household. And to Elder Brother Camarina and to Brother Camarina, head of his house and all of that. It's just, I'm going to talk tonight about, uh, I'm going to talk about four. I hope I get that far. It's just wild what happens to me when I sit in front of that computer and start searching scriptures. Uh, You would come into my office, there's this whole shelf just filled with Bibles. I've got about, I guess probably about 40 and I've probably given, I've probably given 15 or 16 of them away, uh, older editions, and uh, so on to my kids. And I uh, still got a very large collection, all different kinds of translations, and and all. But I sit there and I start studying. And I think, oh my, where can I get? Oh, okay, Matthew Henry commentary, yeah, Clark's commentary, and. I start going here and there, and and it just seems like God just kind of helps me to put a lot of things together. Amen? Yes, sir. Praise God. I think I have enough here. There's ten copies. couple can share one. Printed out a fewer, fewer than usual tonight. It's four pages long. And don't go, oh, okay. <laughs> I hope that I can make these Bible studies exciting and enjoyable. And I'm not looking for compliments, but I just, I want you to be blessed. That's what I want. I want you to be blessed. Amen. Amen. So I'm talking tonight about the attributes of God. The attributes of God. And uh, Brother Andrew, uh, the first word we need a definition of tonight is attributes, okay? A-T-T-R-I. Get you a good head start there, okay? I've given him a little list tonight of words that uh, we want to define. And I think it's very important that we uh, define words that we may not know, okay? I'm not calling anybody stupid or ignorant or uneducated or anything like that. But, you know, there's just sometimes we run across words that we don't know. I have been working in the Portuguese language for about, uh, let's see, what are you? 42, uh, almost 50 years, and working with my secretary in Brazil today online, and she had put a word in the text, and I said, oh, 
that's how you spell that word. I've never seen that before. She said, really? I said, seriously, I never have. So I know how to spell that word. So today wasn't lost. I learned a new word. Well, I knew how to use the word, but I had never seen it spelled. So, you know, uh, uh, I, I'm just telling you that be, to help you understand that I'm also always in the learning mode. All right? Yeah. Always in the learning mode. Anything that ceases to grow has begun to die. That's true. And son, I don't want to die yet. No, sir. <laughs> so I want to keep growing. Amen. Okay, we're going to talk tonight about the attributes of God. Okay? And please, please, if at any point during any of my Bible studies, if you have a question, please just, just raise your hand. I don't mind. And don't think that it's a stupid question. I can guarantee you, standing where I am, if you ask a question, there will be somebody shaking their head. <laughs> I also want to know, but they're too embarrassed to ask. So you just be that courageous person and ask, okay? All right? All right, Brother Angel, you got our definition there for attributes. Okay. So, attribute. Huh? Attribute. Miguel. Um, ascribe a feature. Miguel. Think of something that's caused by a oh. particular circumstance. Huh? To what do you attribute your success? Uh, second definition is give credit. To give credit for a certain thing, such as a work of art or literature or a saying, to a particular person, often wrongly. It's a bond mod that is often wrongly attributed to Saki. Okay. Now, what was the first two or three little words there? Attribute? Attribute. It's ascribe a feature. Ascribe a feature. Okay. Or I could say probably quality. Something that someone possesses. That is the makeup of their existence. And I'm using some words there that... Uh, are important for us to understand because when we talk about God, He exists. He is real. We don't see Him, but we certainly can feel Him. Amen? Praise God. Now, uh, according to a schedule that Brother Camarino has given me, I'm teaching tonight, and I will be teaching two weeks from tonight. And uh, so there are 15 of these after... Why? No, it's next week, isn't it? Next week he's here. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. <laughs> two weeks from two weeks from tonight, and uh, so we will probably endeavor to do another four on that night. So, uh, as long as he assigns me Wednesdays to teach, we'll be moving through this. But I, I have prayed and sincerely asked God that this will help you yes, sir. to understand God. Amen. Because if you know God, if you understand God, you will be able to have great faith in Him and great confidence in Him. Yeah, amen? amen? Praise God. Uh, you know, I, I just don't buy into these, these quick marriages that you see some night. Oh, my, they just fell in love. Oh, really? And uh, they get married. What are you laughing about, Noah? <laughs> And not too long down the road, they begin to discover what that other person really is. And whoa, what have I got myself into? And the first thing you know, the divorce court is being activated and they're separating. And that's sad. That is just very, very sad. 
But if we know God, and we really know God, you're never going to want a divorce from God. You're never going to want to separate yourself from God. Right. If you come to really know God as you should. All right? Now, the first attribute, first quality of God that we're going to talk about tonight is the fact that God is infinite. He is self-existing, and he is without origin. All right? This is probably the most difficult attribute of God to talk about. It really really is really covering. (laughs) Because it completely... Can I use some just common vernacular? It just blows our minds. Yeah. Right. All right? Now, Nathan, when you think of eternal, what do you think of? Forever. Okay, beginning when? <laughs> Since ever. <laughs> <laughs> you see, the problem is, the problem is that many people, oh yeah, God's eternal. From here out. Yeah. But yeah. what about from here back? Right. All right? Right. So we must understand that God is eternal. He has always existed. Okay. Now, I tell you what, I'm going to read for you tonight a lot because uh, what is in what is on these pages is just very, very good material, okay? First scripture. First scripture, Brother Paul. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And I put there in brackets, hold together. Yeah. Okay? God's power holds everything together. Right. Yeah. Right. Men are able to send rockets out there into space and hit exactly where they want it to hit because everything is going to be in its right place when they want it to be there. And that is because of the power of God. Right. Don't let anybody, any professor, any so-called knowledgeable person try to convince you of anything else, all right? That is in Colossians 1.17. Uh, Colo- uh, uh, that word is Psalm 147.5. Reina. Great is our Lord and of great abundant power. His understanding is infinite beyond measure. Psalm 147.5. All right. <clears throat> The fact that God is self-existent, that he was created by nothing, where did God come from? I don't know and neither do you, and you're not going to find out. There's no chemistry, there is no physics, there is no biology, there is nothing that is ever going to discover the origin of God, because He has always existed. That's right. Uh, and and you said, "Sir, it, it's just—it it is so mind-boggling, all right—that it's difficult for us to get our brain wrapped around it." And uh, so, uh, created by nothing, has always existed, forever, is always one of the hardest attributes of God for the believer to understand. In our limitedness, this is our finite, you can start looking for that word for us, brother, uh, grasping the nature of our limitless, infinite God is like trying to stand in the middle of the American River and hold it back. 
It's just not going to work. You can't do it, all right? Okay? An author by the name of Tozer writes about this confusing, head-spinning attribute of God's infinity, all right? To admit that there is one who lies beyond us, who exists outside of all of our categories. You know, we like to put things in order, don't we? We like to have categories for everything, you know? Uh, I hope your house is organized, you know, so that you know where something is. I know that with the Camarina's house, very well organized. It's uh, Everything looks to be in order around there. And... Uh, that's a very wonderful attribute. <laughs> Human attribute, nonetheless, an attribute, all right? <clears throat> In our limit in this finite grasping of nature, or oh, to admit that there is one who lies beyond us, who exists outside of all of our categories, who will not be dismissed by a name. You know, you just can't say, the man upstairs. I hate that term. Oh, I hate that term. You know, let's have a little bit more respect for God than to call him the man upstairs, all right? Please, don't ever be guilty of that. It's not the man upstairs. It's God, eternal, infinite, all right? Um, he will not appear before the bar of our reason, nor submit to our curious inquiries. This requires a great deal of humility, more than most of us possess. So we save face by thinking God down to our level, or at least down to where we can manage him. And that's wrong. We should never desire to bring God down to our level, but we should always desire to be elevated to where God is in our thinking and our reasoning and in our faith, all right, to where God is, amen, because that is an elevation, all right, what what do we accomplish if we bring God down to our level in our thinking, which is the only way we can do it, we have accomplished nothing, and this is one of the reasons why I am so adamant in saying that it is wrong to refer to God as a person. God is not a person. God is a being. That's the term we want to use. God is a being. All right? In Portuguese, we say ser. In Spanish, I'm certain that you use the word ser with regard to God. And it's a very respective term. All right? Being. God is a being. He is a heavenly being. He is a spiritual being. He is not a person. A person is someone that has a body. And God does not have a body. All right? All right? And we we should never use the term person with regard to God. In his article on uh, Christianity.com, Dr. Adrian Rogers writes about the self-existence of God. The name Jehovah is used 6,800 times in the Bible. The word Jehovah. And uh, there will be maybe some older translations of the Bible that you may get a hold of that still use the term Jehovah. It is not a wrong term. It is a right term. 
And, uh, but it is, in our English uh, Bibles, most generally is translated as uh, Lord God. Uh, it is a personal covenant name of Israel's God. In the King James Version Bible, it's translated Lord God. Not only does it speak of God's strength, but it speaks of the sovereignty of God and the goodness of God. What do we know about sovereignty? Huh? God has the last word. <laughs> yeah. He will do as he pleases. He certainly will. All right. Above everything else. I'm sorry? Above everything else. Above everything else. Yes, that's good. That's good. Yes. All right. We are supposed to be a sovereign nation. All right. Excuse me, I don't want to offend anybody tonight, but as we are being invaded more and more and more by people who come in illegally into our nation, we are losing the sovereignty of our nation. All right? And they're coming in and demanding this and demanding that and demanding something else, walking on our flag, burning our flag, and and all kinds of stuff. Okay? So... And, and, and unfortunately, we have American politicians who are willing to surrender the sovereignty of this nation to allow all of these people to have all of these rights. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm really pretty uptight about it all. Okay? Uh, they talk, well, all these people are poor and they have very poor living conditions. Well, I just read in a, in a major publication the other day that the nation that we were involved in in missions work claims that they have 14 million people in extreme poverty. Should we let all of them come in here too? You know, where's the end to all of this? How many people in extreme poverty are in India? They say that there are people in India, I believe it's uh, Bombay or some city there, that, that actually the people have lived on the street all of their lives. Huh? Mumbai. Mumbai, now I guess it is. Okay. They, they're born on the street, they grew up on the street, and they die on the streets. All right? That's poverty. All right? We don't have room for all of that. Okay? And that's just a little politics put in the middle of the whole thing. Okay? But God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And the more we uh, understand that, the, the greater respect we will have for God. But as we talk about some of these other attributes, we're going to understand... Uh, that uh, this attribute is really to our advantage. All right? Uh, <clears throat> the root of this means self-existing. All right? Is there anybody here that's self-existing? I certainly am not. You know, I always, always, I always uh, put a little humor into my my Bible studies, but you know, we see some people sometimes, and we begin to wonder if they had a mother. <laughs> they are so uneducated. They are so uncouth. They are so devoid of, uh, of good manners that you wonder if they had a mother. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, it's sad to say, but unfortunately, there are people that bring this question to mind. All right? We do not self-exist, but God self-exists. 
one who never came into being, one who always will be. When Moses asked God, who shall I tell Pharaoh has sent me? God said, I am that I am. All right. All right. Well, some of you students, help me out today. Help me out today. All right. Now the verb I am, or pronoun and verb together, I am. What tense of the verb is that? Present tense. All right. So when Moses talked to God in front of that burning bush, God said to him, you tell Pharaoh that I am sent you. So, huh? Yeah, okay. I am. Present tense. Forty years later, he's still I am. Exactly, my brother. Exactly. All right? The God that we serve is not a has-been God. Right. He continues to be the great I am. Amen. We understand through this that in God's thinking, if we can use kind of a, 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 a human expression there, thinking, that everything to God is present tense. Okay? Because God doesn't live here where we have a sun that comes up and goes down, where we have clocks that run 24 hours a day, where we have a year that is 365.25 days long, all right? For you that are more precise in your scientific knowledge, all right? Uh, that's why we have leap years, okay? Uh, God is not restricted to our time, all right? When the spaceships get out there beyond the realm of this earth, it can be light all the time because the sun's always shining on them. That kind of gives us an idea that, that, that God dwells in that realm where it is always present tense, all right? And uh, that is a beautiful thing. He's called Jehovah, Yahweh, uh, these terms are the most uh, intensely sacred name to the Jewish scribes. And many will not even pronounce the name. When possible, they use another name. Uh, just uh, some time back, a few months ago, uh, we translated a, a book, a very, it was, oh, that was a difficult work. Well, we, were, we, were, we translated a book from English to Portuguese that talked about how the Bible came into existence. And how we can really believe in its authenticity because of how it was how it was translated. And it talked about the Jewish scribes. Uh, they were those who 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 wrote the word by hand, okay? And they always had their boss, and he would look over their work. And if at any point he found anything that was wrong, their whole work was trashed. And they had to start all over again. But when they had to write the name of God, there was a ceremonial purification that they went through because they revered God's name so highly. All right? And so we begin to get an understanding of how the name of the Lord is very important. All right? So God is infinite. 
Alright? He had no beginning, and he will have no end. And as he continues to exist, he is always the same. And that's our next um, title, number two. God is immutable, and we need a definition. Immutable. Huh? Yes. All right. Immutable. And we're waiting for that I M U T M M U T A E L E. All right. All right. And just in simple term, we're going to get a little better dictionary definition here, but it just means really God never changes. And. My friend, tonight, as we as we sit here together and we, we consider these things, and I, I hope you're listening carefully to me, but if there's anything that should build our faith in God, it is the fact that God is immutable. Yes. That God doesn't change. All right? Now, we're going to get into this just a little bit more. Having a hard time there, brother? I am M. All right. All right. Let's read a couple of scriptures. All right. All right. Uh, uh, Nathan. Malachi 3 6. For I, the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons, descendants of Jacob, are not consumed or destroyed. All right. God made promises to the descendants of Abraham. His son Isaac and Isaac's son Jacob. All right. These were the sure promises of God to these that God promised that he would make out of them a great and mighty nation. And they, I've just been listening to Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. Oh my, I'm just blown away with all of the laws and the commandments and and all that God required of, of those people. All right. And they were to obey all of that. But they didn't obey it. They began to worship idols and they began to do all kinds of things that, that were not according to God's plan for them. And this is why God writes here and he said, you know, if I was a God that changed, I would have changed my mind a long time ago and you wouldn't exist anymore. I would have destroyed you. Okay. Not in there? Wow. The dictionary of that side doesn't have the word immutable. Uh, look at the look for the word mutable then, okay? And then it may have the uh, other uh, uh, verb form there. All right? Uh, aren't you glad that God doesn't change? You do, but God doesn't. We fail, but God doesn't. And because God doesn't change, we can place our faith in him and, and know that God is going to fulfill every promise he ever made to us, all right? God does not change. Who he is never changes. His attributes are the same from before the beginning of time into eternity. Beginning of time into eternity. Always the same. All right? His character never changes. He never gets better or worse. Right. Right. 
Any husband that is in his right mind wants to continue to be a better husband as time goes on. And any wife who is a thinking woman wants to be a better wife or mother or whatever as time goes on. Because improvement is part of our, or at least should be part of our existence. All right? And then it says, his plans do not change. Aren't you glad? His plans don't change. In the book of Genesis, after the fall of Adam and Eve and their disobedience, God there already gave us an idea, an inkling of to what would happen and how that he would uh, save mankind. Genesis 3.15, all right? All right? And we've got another 4,000 years to go before we finally get to the birth of Jesus and his death on the cross and all of that. But during that whole span of time and during all of God's dealings with Israel and all of their failings and all of that, God's plan did not change. Right. Didn't change. All right? And that to me is a great encouragement. Amen. Who he is never changes. His attributes are the same from before the beginning of time into eternity. His character never changes. He never gets better or worse. His plans don't change. His promises do not change. Just a woman, be kind to your husband. I was just going to say that, that when God put Adam and Eve in that garden, so that God is all knowing, he knew that they could possibly fail. No, in, in, in God's foreknowledge, he knew that they would so, fail. In my way of thinking, God had a plan. He also had a plan B. Yeah. And so that's what happened. Yeah. Yep. I don't believe that God changed his mind. And I don't think God was taken by surprise. Right. He made us to make up okay. our own mind. <clears throat> our trust in him is therefore a confident trust. We're on the second page. For we know that he will not, indeed cannot, change. You know, will not is one thing. Cannot is something else, right? right? You understand that? He cannot change. His very nature will not allow him to change. Okay? His purposes are unfailing. His promises are unassailable. It is because the God who promised us eternal life is immutable that we may rest assured that nothing, not trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword shall separate us from the love of Christ. And because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forever, that neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor even powers, height, depth, or anything else in, cre- in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, we're going to read right now, okay? Um, Brother, come read, begin to read for us. Can you have a voice there to read a little bit for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. 
we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. You know, if you don't remember anything else that goes on in there, I want you to remember that scripture. That would encourage your heart. To know that there's not one power out there in this world that can separate you from the love of God. You do not have to become separated from God and His love and His promises. If you want to live for God, you can live for God. If you want to live separated from the world, you can live separated from the world. You do not have to be bound by those things. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You find something for it? It's found beautiful. Beautiful, okay. And it says, changeable, tending or likely to change, capable of change, capable of changing or subject to change. Okay. We are mutable, but God is immutable. He cannot change. All right? Right. So if you read these words and hear these words, you know, as we... Proceed through the things, you will remember the meaning of these words and it will help you to understand the very nature of God. All right? Okay? Now, uh, uh, Hebrews 13, 8. Uh, read, please. It's the last part of that paragraph, that last part of that paragraph. Hebrews 13. Right after it says Romans 8, 35, 39. You have a paper there? Jesus Christ. Yes. Yesterday. Yes. And today. A finger was pointing at you. No, no, no. It was at you. <laughs> please. Read for me, please. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. All right. What a wonderful promise. That Jesus, as you prayed to Sunday and felt such a glorious, his glorious presence here in this place. It's the same Jesus today. It will be the same Jesus tomorrow when you bow your knees by your bed to pray. It will be the same Jesus next Sunday when we gather in this place. Hallelujah. And if the Lord does not return and we live through this year, we can count on the fact that he is going to be the same every day of this year. God does not change. His promises do not change. He is immutable. Praise God. All right. Number three. God is self-sufficient. <laughs> this is a very curious attribute. God is self-sufficient. Do we have any self-sufficient people here? <laughs> <laughs> the problem is you do need your employer. All right? We are all dependent on somebody or something. And we can never get away from that. We, in no way at all, are we really totally self-sufficient. Right, that's 
We're not. But God is self-sufficient. Amen. Yes, All right. Is. What did I say that's funny? Nothing? Oh. I said I need my employer. Huh? I said I need my employer. <laughs> All right. Okay. <clears throat> okay, our first scripture here is John 5, 26. And um, 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 read for us. No, that's you. Yes. For as the Father hath life in himself, so he hath given to the Son to have life in himself. How different from the human existence, huh? There's the lady that gave life to you. Yes, sir. All right. You, you, you know, hey, kids. Honor your mother. She gave life to you. All right? And without her, you wouldn't have any life. All right? And I think, I really believe, I believe with all of my heart that the commandment that says that we are to honor our mother and father, that is not only while they're living. That's after they have deceased. We continue to honor their memory, to honor what they did for us, to honor for what, uh, honor them for what they were in our lives. Yes, now I realize there are some that uh, their upbringing may have been, you know, a little bit on the bad side, and maybe that's a little bit difficult. But you know, as much as in us is possible, we need to to honor. Okay, but God is self-sufficient. He has no needs. Would you say that? God no, has, has no needs. Well, <clears throat> now that'll do one on your humility button, won't it? God doesn't need you. Really? Yeah, really. God doesn't need me. If I fail him, he can raise up somebody else to do what I do. He doesn't need me. All right? I need him, but he doesn't need me. All right? As limited humans, we have incredible needs. And please don't start telling me what all of them are. Okay? We don't have time tonight. (laughs) Which left unfulfilled results in death. All right? God, however has never once needed anything. Isn't that a great thought? It is a great thought, okay? God is perfectly complete within his own being. In a blog post on Reformation21.org, Scott Swain writes about the self-sufficiency of God means he possesses infinite riches of being, wisdom, goodness, and power in and of himself. All right? All of that he has. Nobody gave it to me. Give it to him. If I have any kind of authority, somebody gave it to me. I stand behind this pulpit tonight teaching you because the pastor of this church gave me the right to stand here and teach you. 
And the day that I don't do it right, he'll say, you're out of there. Okay? But God has no one that tells him what to do. He is totally self-sufficient in himself. All right? Now, uh, let's, uh, let's read uh, the uh, Genesis 17.1. Sister Walmer, lift up your voice back there. Genesis 17.1. It's on your paper. Oh, you didn't get one. Oh, okay. Okay. <clears throat> As I sat studying today, Sister Walmer, I was I was thinking about this very thing. All right. God is the source of life. God is the source of life. And he decided that he was going to put life into Abraham and put life into his wife Sarah, who was 90. My Lord. Whatever the kid, you 90 years old? (laughs) (laughs) My wife always says that God is so intelligent. He gave kids to young people. You know, we get older, we can have grandkids and great-grandkids, but they're around for just a little while and we ship them back home, you know? <laughs> when they get in our hair, you know? All right? But here's Abraham, 99, Sarah's 90, and they're going to have a child. Wow! God caused life to come back into those two bodies who for the reproduction, the reproduction organs had died a long time before. But God brought life back into them so that they could produce an heir. Awesome, isn't it? Awesome. All right. <clears throat> Our next uh, verse of scripture is John five twenty six. Yes. So there was no great miracle when Jesus resurrected from the dead. He had life in himself because he was God manifest in the flesh. All right? Then we're going to go to Ephesians 3.16. Sister Shannon. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the might by the spirit in the inner man. All right? Be strengthened by God in our inner man. All right? We can be strengthened from within. We can be strong from within because God abides in us by the power of his Holy Spirit. That's why it is so important for us to receive the Holy Spirit that comes from God because we need this power in the inner man. Amen? Praise God. Now, because God 
because he possesses these unfathomable riches in perfect knowledge and love of a heavenly father, he is able to assist those in, excuse me, in their time of need. All right? All right? At that time, Jesus answered, and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Wow. You know, outside of the operation of God in our interman, there is no way that we can ever come to a knowledge of God. Why are you so quiet? Nobody's smiling. But that's true. It has got to be the operation of God within us. The moving of His Holy Spirit within us that will cause us to come into a knowledge of God. Paul, after many years of ministry and many years of study of scriptures, he said, oh, that I might know Him within. Wow. Boy, if he's crying out at this point in his life and it was down toward the end of his life and he is still desirous to know God in a greater way than he's ever known Him before. How much more we need to be crying out to God, 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 please, let me come to know you as I should. Amen? Praise God. Um, uh, uh, Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that, that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. John seventeen twenty four to 26 all right. Now we talked about here that that God is su- uh, totally self-sufficient in love. All right. He didn't need a mother to show him how to love. Sister Shannon, you're a beautiful little girl. We'll learn how to love because you love her. Love for her will be uh, something that is taught and something that is learned. But God didn't need anybody to show him what love was because John declared it, God is love. That is one of God's attributes. He is love. That is what he is made of. All right? That's just his natural being. He doesn't have to convince himself to love you or love me or love that vile sinner out on the street. He loves that person. All right? That person may not love him. That person may not do what pleases God. But that does not mean that God does not love that person. All right? So when it comes to love, loving a lost world, uh, God um, is uh, very much self-sufficient. 
Because God is self-sufficient, we can go to Him and satisfy all of our needs. We never have to worry about drying up His never-ending well of goodness. <laughs> I've been asking a lot from God. I wonder if He's going to have enough to give me. He's never going to run out. He's never going to run out of His Holy Spirit to pour in your life. He's never going to run out of love. He's never going to run out of compassion. He's never going to run out of forgiveness. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's always going to have these qualities. Amen. We never have to worry about drying up His never-ending well of goodness, peace, mercy, grace. Now to Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Oh, hallelujah. How wonderful. All right, let's move on to number four, and this will be our last one tonight. We're going to be just about right on time. Oh, I did, didn't I? Thank you. Oh, yes, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. All right? You know, God is peace. God is love, God is peace, God is long-suffering, God is compassion, God is all these things. And God is peace. All right? But I'll tell you what, there's not much peace in this world, is there? There's not. But you know, true peace is that quality of of existence that comes to us where we can be in in an environment and we can say even our world that is not, that has no peace, we can be at peace because the greatest peace that we can have is peace with God. To wake up in the morning and, hey, thank God for peace. I, I, I'm at peace with God. I, I don't, I'm not at odds with God. I'm not sinning. I'm not committing those things that are not agreeable to God. And therefore, I'm at peace with God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Sister Gina. Okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, God is omnipotent. All right. We have the word omnipotent there on my little list. Okay. Okay, read it for us there, please. Possessing complete, unlimited, or universal power and authority. A word sometimes used to refer to God. Yes. Yes. All right. Omnipotent. Possesses all power, all authority, all ability. That's God. Omnipotent. He is all-powerful. All right. Psalms 33, 6. Who wants to read? Sister Camarina. Thirty-three-six. Is that? Three, three, three. Huh? <laughs> By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them, by the breath of his mouth. Huh? How did God do it? God simply spoke everything into existence. 
by his word. Powerful word. He spoke things into existence. And if you would go over into the book of uh, Colossians and read uh, chapter 1. I don't think we have that here. But it's down along about verse 17, 16, 17, down in the middle of the chapter there. Uh, And it says that that everything was made by him. and, and, And he holds everything in control by his word. There's none of those planets are going to get out of control unless he releases control of them, which he's not going to do. All right? By his word. And he said, let there be light, and there was light. Wouldn't you have loved to be standing in the darkness when that happened? Yeah. Just let there be light. Whoosh. And there's light. Now, the most marvelous thing, Noah, is that God created light, but he didn't create the sun for another three days. Now, now just just meditate on that for a little while. (laughs) Of course it's right. It's in the book. All right? So God created light without a sun, without a moon, without stars. There, we we just have to, we just believe, believe, all right? Job, in the midst of all of his problems and troubles, in the midst of all of his infirmities and his pain and suffering, he had uh, some, some great revelations of God, and we read this in Job 11, 7 through 11. Um, I forget your wife's name. Huh? Claudia. Claudia. Okay. Can you read for us? You know, use the same voice that you use when you're trying to get the kids to mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> huh? Oh, are you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, both of you guys read. You didn't know? No, read. Uh, that will be uh, Job 11, 7 through 11. Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? It is as high as heaven. What canst thou do? Deeper than hell, what canst thou know? The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. If he cut off and shut up or gathered together, then who can hinder him? For he knoweth vain man, he seeth wicked also, wickedness also. Will he not then consider it? All right. Now, now here is the same verse of Scripture, and I forgot to put it in there. But this is from the uh, New International Version. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens. Above, what can you do? They are deeper than the depths below. What can you do? What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. If it comes along, if he comes along and confines you in prison and convenes a court, who can oppose him? All right? Surely he recognizes deceivers, and when he sees evil, does he not take note? Very interesting, isn't it? All right? 
Okay, omnipotent, and we've already read the definition, means to have unlimited power. Omni means all, potent means powerful. God is able and powerful to do, and I underline this part, anything he wills. All right? Without any effort on his part. Was God so absolutely, totally exhausted on the seventh day that he had to rest? (laughs) I don't think so. All he did was talk. Spoke everything into existence, all right? It is important to note the anything he wills in that phrase above, okay? Part of that statement, because God cannot do anything that is contradictory or contrary to his nature. All right? Nathan, tell me one thing that God can't do. Huh? God can't lie. <laughs> okay, that's one thing that God can't do. He can't lie. All right? He can't change. And he can't change. All right, thank you. God can't stop loving you. And God can't stop loving you. All right? All right, so we... we, we <coughs> um, Anything he will for them, because God cannot do anything contrary, contradictory or contrary to his nature. His nature is to love. His nature is to be compassionate. His nature is to, I forget what else my wife said. Um, can't lie. All right. All right. Those things are contradictory to his nature. He can't do those things. Hebrews 6.18 puts it like this. Who wants to read for us? Sister Gina, lift up your voice back in that corner back there. All right, the fact that God is immutable, does not change, and cannot lie, brings to me an awesome measure of consolation. Does that make sense? I can believe it. Boy, I have known some pretty bad liars in my life. I mean, I, I've known some that lied so much that if they told me the sun came up, I'd run outside and check to make sure it did. <laughs> Just, it seemed like they had greater pleasure in lying than telling the truth. And you know, as human beings, we have a tendency to reconcile everything with re- uh, uh, everything about God according to the knowledge that we have of ourselves or of others of like us. But God is not a man. He is not like a man. And there is in no way to make that kind of a comparison. All right? All right. In his devotion forward, and going to the next page, Ron Moore puts it like this. God's attribute of omnipotence means that he is able to do all that he desires to do. When he plans something, it will come to be. If he purposes something, it will happen. Nothing can prevent his plan. When his hand is stretched out to do something, no one can turn it back. All right? And then we have a definition of omnipotence again. All right? 
Scripture, Psalms 24, 8. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. You got some battles? You got some troubles? You got some enemies? Maybe it's your own flesh. All right? But the Lord is strong in battle. He will help you, and you will be able to dominate anything that may be your enemy of living for him. Nothing is too hard for him to accomplish. Anything too hard for the Lord, the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. All right? And then we could go on to mention... um, well, let's, let's just read here. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. And then the 27th verse of that same chapter says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Somebody tell me what the incident is of Luke one thirty-seven. What was going on in Luke 137? No. Sorry. Your wife. Mary was. Yes. Yes. She is trying to reconcile all of this promise that God gave her that she was going to have a son, that to have one, she would have to have a husband. But she didn't have one. She was... Engaged, but she didn't have a husband. All right? And back in those days, they didn't do like they do today, okay? Well, I'm sure they did, but... No, I don't think that that was a pretty embarrassed situation you got caught. All right? I mean, that was to be excluded and maybe even stoned, all right? All right, let's go on. We're going to get in too deep here pretty soon, all right? All right? Mary said, how can this be? And the angel answered, is anything too hard for the Lord? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Mary continued to be a virgin until the time she gave birth. Okay? Because God, who is life, put life within her. And Jesus Christ was a result of that great act of God. All right? All right, many times God is called the Almighty, and we're just going to kind of abandon our dictionary for the rest of the evening. Uh, We just don't have time. Almighty. Just put together two words there. What does mighty mean? Strong. Powerful. And then you put the word all in the front of that, it really gives you kind of a... A real complete meaning, isn't it? Huh? Yeah, you got it there open already? Okay, read it for us. Uh, all powerful, having supreme, question, unquestionable power over, over everything. And then it says, the almighty dollar. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Oh, my. Boy, is that every a misnomer. Wow. All right. <clears throat> Able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the... Oh, my Lord, look at the error I made there. I hit an S instead of a W. Uh, all The power that worketh in us. Ephesians 3.20. We have read that scripture already. <laughs> huh? 
Although such power might be... Okay, now I want you to listen to this. This, this is very... This is very interesting, and I, and I really appreciated this insight from John MacArthur. Although power, such power might seem frightful, remember that God is good. You know, it, it, it is so sad. It is so sad that some people just think that God is looking for some reason to just slap us upside the ear and knock us down. You know, that God just... Ah, you're wrong. Ah. <laughs> no. God is good. Yes. He can do anything according to His infinite ability, but only will do those things that are consistent with Himself. That is why He can't lie. He can't tolerate sin or save impenitent sinners. Boy, that, that statement there just really puts to rest a lot of stuff that we're reading in the world of religion today. Well, yeah, I, I believe that. Where did that one go? The devil needs to Even the devil does that. The devil's not going to be saved. I don't care what anybody says. And, right? and neither are those who are impenitent. What does impenitent mean? Unrepentant. Unrepentant. Thank you. All right. So, we wind up today's the next study with these scriptures. This is yours. Take it home. But don't throw it away. Keep it because there will be a, probably another four sheets to come along with this two weeks from tonight. All right? Okay? Praise God. God bless you. And as we stand to pray, let us remember Pastor Camarina tonight who is uh, kind of a bad sore throat and uh, just uh, didn't feel like he needed to sing tonight. And uh, that was fine. Wouldn't any problem with that, okay? Praise God. Well, let's remember him in prayer. And um, God will touch his body. Get him ready for services that are coming up. Amen. Praise God. Uh, now our revival meetings begin this Sunday. This Sunday. This Sunday, all right. And Brother Doug Wright. Doug Wright will be with us Sunday morning for our service. And will be with us again next Wednesday night. And then again the following Sunday we'll be back with us. I presume he's preaching out in other places in the meantime, huh? Huh? Oh, yes. Yes. Wow, let's receive our offering tonight. I'm not going to take it. I'm going to receive it. Okay? If I take it, it's not an offering. <laughs> Praise God. God bless you. We need to support the house of God. Uh, there will be expenses with our evangelist. And we just uh, need to take care of all of those expenses. And as I mentioned tonight, the, our faithfulness in giving will be rewarded by God. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. All right. We're going to close with prayer right now. And then you can bring your offering and place it here in the offering plate. Loving God. I just want to say one more time, God, how much I appreciate your word. How it speaks to my heart and how it has spoken to our hearts tonight. May everybody, Lord, that is here tonight grasp these powerful truths, Lord, that will help them to come into a wonderful, powerful, rewarding experience with you, Lord. I ask in Jesus' name that we help everyone to... Just believe you, Lord, because you're unfailing in all of
of your promises because you are immutable. In Jesus' name we pray. Bless the rest of this week, Lord. Protect us in our jobs, in our travels, on the highways and on the streets. And in any place we may be, protect us from the evil that lurks out there in this world. And we will give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. God bless you. And let's greet each other with a good warm handshake, all right? And if it's appropriate, a good hug, all right?